Well, God bless you. Welcome to the wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are going to be in the book of Revelation and we're going to be going through chapters 8 through 11. So this is quite a study today and I know you're going to enjoy it. So let's go ahead and pray and we'll get right into the Word of God. Father, we bless you. We thank you for your goodness and for your mercy. And Lord, we just believe, God, that you're going to speak to us through this session. And Father God, we're going to give you the praise and glory for it in Jesus name. Now open up our hearts and minds to your word and we give you thanks. Amen. Praise God. All right, let's begin. Revelation chapter eight and verse one. Now we're going to begin the trumpet judgments. We have passed through the seals and now we're going into the trumpet judgments of God. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. So silence in heaven speaks to us of the quiet in the eye of the storm just before the judgments of God uh, begin. All right, verse two. <clears throat> and I saw the seven angels which stood before God and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar having the golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand, and the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth, and there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. And the seven angels which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. So uh, uh, prepared themselves to sound. So the seven, the number seven in relation to God and his work speaks to us of God's perfection in his plans and purposes. Now, it says that another angel came forward with a golden censer. And in this censer, there was much incense that the angel should offer it with the prayers of all the saints. All right. Now, the angel before the altar, he fills this censer uh, with coals from the altar and he casts this into the earth. And as a result, there was voices and thunders and lightnings and an earthquake. And this speaks to us of the judgments of God that are going to soon take place on the earth. All right. Now, the sounding of the first trumpet and the first angel sounded and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood and they were cast upon the earth and the third part of the trees was burnt up and all green grass was burnt up. Now notice that one third of trees were burnt up and all green grass was burned up. So today, one third of all the trees on the earth would be would equal one trillion trees. And the land mass required to inhabit one trillion trees would be four times the size of the United States. And we know that trees play an important role in the environment. And so the loss of one third of trees on Earth, it will damage air quality. Uh, water conservation would be severely reduced uh, the, and it would expose wildlife and destroy their habitat. And all grass burned up would grass covers 40 percent of the Earth's landmass. That means 40 percent less grass available for grass fed animals. All right, now the sounding of the second trumpet, Revelation verses 8 and 9. And the second angel sounded, and it was, as it were, a great mountain burning with fire was cast upon the sea. And the third part of the sea became blood, and the third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died, 
and the third part of the ships were destroyed. So John sees a huge meteor the size of a mountain uh, hurled into the sea. And the uh, size of this meteor turns one third of the sea into blood. And see, blood speaking of death, speaking of judgment. And that's 25 percent of the sea that became blood. And not only does this uh, meteor turn this one third of the sea into blood, it destroys one third of all sea creatures and one third of all ships in the sea. So that means one third of all seafaring cargoes destroyed. And that also means the bounty of the fish is reduced in the sea is reduced by one third. All right. Now the sounding of the third trumpet. Uh, verse 10. And the third angel sounded and there fell a great star from heaven burning as it were a lamp, and it fell upon the third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood, and the third part of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. So this fiery star falls from heaven, and it's a literal star. It, and it falls, and it falls upon the third part of the rivers and fountains of waters. Maybe it uh, splintered as it reached the atmosphere. This cataclysm turned the waters into what John calls wormwood. Wormwood is a very bitter and poisonous liquid, and many men died of the waters. All right, the fourth trumpet, verse 12. And the fourth angel sounded, and the third part of the sun was smitten, and the third part of the moon, third part of the stars. So as the third part of them were darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. And I beheld and heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth by reason of the other voices of the trumpet of the three angels, which are yet to sound. So the sounding of the fourth trumpet affects not the earth, but the heavenly bodies. Third of the sun was smitten, third part of the moon, third part of the star, stars, uh, so that the third part of them was darkened and the day uh, did not shine for a third part of it and the likewise and also the night. So John sees four angels sounding on four trumpets and each trumpet blast reveals judgments upon different parts of Earth's environment, uh, creating disaster after disaster upon those who dwell upon the earth. But John also sees signs in the heavens and that created even more destruction. And so the chastisement and the punishment of God, meaning and meant to humble the lost so that they can see their need to receive the Lordship of Jesus Christ and be saved. That's the reason why judgment comes. It's to wake men up. All right. Now, in chapter nine, we have the fifth trumpet. And the fifth angel sounded. And I saw a star fall from heaven onto the earth and to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, and the smoke of the great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. So uh, this is the first woe. Now, the bottomless pit is the Greek word abuso, and it is a place of incarceration. It's where the dragon will be chained and cast into the bottomless pit for a thousand years during the millennial reign. And notice that their smoke arose out of the pit and the smoke of a great furnace. Now, the smoke that arose was so great 
that the atmosphere of earth was darkened and it blocked the light of the sun to shine on the earth. So here is the the stars and the sun being darkened even further. All right. Now, verse three. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth and unto them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. And it was commanded them that they should not hurt the grass of the earth, neither any green thing, neither any tree, but only those men which have not the seal of God in their forehead. So a picture of this. Notice that they came out of uh, this bottomless pit and the and the smoke from the bottomless pit from a furnace. Uh, these uh, demons have been kept in incarceration and in torment, and now they are released. So notice it was given power uh, to them, power as scorpions have power. So the judgment of the first woe is upon the environment, is not upon the environment, but it's upon the human race. And it's upon all those who have not the seal of God in their foreheads. All right, verse 5. And to them was given that they should not kill men, but that they should be tormented five months. And their torment was as the torment of a scorpion when he strikes a man, and in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it, and it shall and they shall desire to die, but death shall flee from them. So the demon locusts, which have the power of scorpions, and they sting men, and this sting will be so severe that men wish that they could die, but to relieve them of the pain, but the torture sting uh, is not going to be deadly. And think about that. Think about something so bad you wish you could die because the pain was so great, but yet that pain and that sting uh, does not kill, does not bring death. Uh, all right, in verse 7, And the shapes of the locusts were likened to horses prepared to battle, and on their heads were as it were crowns like gold, and their faces were as the faces of men. And they had hair as the hair of women, and their teeth were as the teeth of lions. So, in verses 9, and they had breastplates, as it were, breastplates of iron, and the sound of their wings was as the sound of chariots and many horses running to battle. And they had tails like unto scorpions, and there were stings in their tails, and their power was to hurt men five months. So this demon horde released from the bottom of the pit, it's an army. It's an army of demons, and their power is in their tails, and their sting will hurt men for five literal months to such a degree of pain that men wish that they would die in order for the pain to cease. And then verses 11 and 12, and they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. And then verse 12 says, one woe is past, and behold, there come two woes more hereafter. And of course, the word uh, Apollyon means uh, destroyer. So the first woe is past, but now there's two more woes to come. All right, the sounding of the sixth trumpet, and this is verses uh, 13. And the sixth angel sounded, and I heard a voice from the four horns of the golden altar, which is before God, saying to the sixth angel, which had the trumpet, loose the four angels, which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loose, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year for to slay the third part of men. So these four angels were loosed and they were prepared for an hour, a day, a month and a year for to slay the third part of men. 
So the breaking of the fourth seal back in, in uh, previous chapters, one quarter of the earth's population was killed by war and famine. And now another third of the remaining population is to be killed. This totals half of the world's population. And then verse 16 says, And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000, thousand, and I heard the number of them. Well, this number equals 200 million. Now, some estimate and insinuate that this huge number to be an army of men from China. But there's no nation on earth that could field such an army. Equip it, feed it, maintain its effectiveness. As a matter of fact, all the armies of all the nations of the world combined uh, would be able to field an, a vast army of 75 million, but this number is nowhere near the number of 200 million. So it would be impossible for any nation to field such an army because it would require two to three to four times their annual GDP. So this army of horsemen is not a human army, but it's a spiritual demonic army. All right, verse 17. And thus I saw the horses in the vision, and them that sat on them having breastplates of fire and of jacinth and brimstone. And the heads of the horses were as the heads of lions, and out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. By these three was the third part of men killed by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone, which issued out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails, for their tails were like unto serpents and had heads, and with them they do hurt. So what John sees leaves no doubt as to the demonic nature of this army. And evidently these four angels were territorial and were held bound in the great river Euphrates. Some of the major Mesopotamian civilizations uh, the Sumerians, the Assyrians, the Akkadians, and the Babylonians, they all rose to power, to world dominion from these areas around the Euphrates River. And so Daniel speaks of uh, territorial uh, fallen angels in uh, Daniel 10, verse 20. Then said he, Knowest thou wherefore I come unto thee? And now I will return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I am gone, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. So uh, that lets us know that there are angels that are territorial. Now, the colors of the fire and jacinth and the brimstone is red. And the description of the head of horses is that of lions and the tails of the demons being that of serpents. Speak to us of the fierceness of the warfare that they're going to commit upon the human race. And uh, the fire, the smoke, and the brimstone that issues out of their mouth kills one-third of the world's population. Know how, notice how everything is being reduced by a third. The environment, uh, the, the things uh, upon the earth, and also the human race. And then finally, in this chapter, verses 20 and 21. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils, the idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornications, nor of their thefts. So we understand now the reason for these judgments of God. It was to humble man to get him to repent. But the more uh, the judgment comes, the, the harder the judgment is, the harder their hearts become. And it's going to get to the point to where there won't be any healing. All right, now, Revelation chapter 10. And we have the mighty angel now with a little book. 
And I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud and a rainbow upon his head and his face as it were the sun and his feet uh, as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open and he set his right foot upon the sea and his left foot upon the earth and cried with a loud voice when a lion roars. And when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered and write them not. So uh, so this appearance is the same type of appearance that uh, we see in the writings of Daniel and the writings of Ezekiel. But now notice that the mighty angel had in his hand a book open and the angel sets his right foot upon the sea and his left foot upon the earth. This is a token of ownership that God owns the earth and the sea and everything in it. And notice that John also hears seven thunders uh, uttering their voices. And so the seven thunders was evidently for John's ears only because the angel, the voice tells him not to write the things that are written in this. And so we're going to see, you know, what this uh, little book pertains to. All right, verse 5. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth lifted up his hand to heaven and swear by him that lives forever and ever who created heaven and the things that are therein, the earth, the things that are in, the sea and the things therein, that time should be no longer. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished as he hath declared to his servants, the prophets." All right, so the angel declares that time shall be no longer. We could say it this way, that time should no longer be delayed, meaning that the time of the end of the great tribulation, when the Lord Jesus returns, is at hand. And uh, verse 8 now, verse 8 through 11, And the voice which I heard from heaven spake unto me, saying, Go, and take the little book which is open in the hand of the angel which stands upon the sea and upon the earth. And I went unto the angel and said, Give me the little book. And he said to me, Take it and eat it up, and it shall make thy belly bitter, but it shall be in thy mouth sweet as honey. And I took the little book out of the angel's hand and ate it up, and it was in my mouth sweet as honey, but as soon as I had eaten it, my belly was bitter. And verse 11, And he said unto me, Thou must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. So John takes this book, he eats this book, and this book has to do with uh, the things that he's going to prophesy concerning uh, the time ahead. So the angel hears, uh, John hears the words of the angel, and he says, you must prophesy again before many peoples and nations and tongues and kings. So this is what the little book concerns. All right, now chapter 11, and we're going to look here at the two witnesses. So Revelation chapter 11, verses 1 and 2. And there was given to me a reed like unto a rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and, the altar and them that worship therein. But the court which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles in the holy city, and they shall tread underfoot. 40 and two months. So John is given a measuring rod and he's told by an angel to rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and then that worship in it. But the court, which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not. 
So now the angel here, he's speaking of the inner court of the temple. He's speaking of the holy place. So the measurement of the temple speaks to us of the inner area of the temple, that it is to be preserved and that it is not to be touched. Then the angel says to John concerning the outer court, for it is given unto the Gentiles and the holy city, they shall tread underfoot 40 and two months. So we're going to see that Israel during the great tribulation period is going to be occupied by Gentile nations. And notice also that in this chapter, the primary focus now has turned again to the Israelite nation. Uh, the temple of God, the outer temple has nothing to do with the Gentile nations. It has everything to do with Israel. And John is telling, uh, the angel is telling John that the outer court of the temple is going to be occupied by the Gentiles, by the heathen nations. And so uh, the holy place now, that's reserved for God and God alone. So what the Antichrist and his followers do concerning the outer court speaks of the transgression against the people of God. But when the Antichrist enters into the temple of God, declaring himself to be a God, he's desecrating God's holy place. This is a transgression against God himself. And we see this in Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. Uh, the Apostle Paul, he describes uh, this Antichrist as one who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he as God sitting in the temple of God shows himself that he is God. That's a little g. But notice that all Paul also says in verse eight, and then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Praise God for that. All right. Now, verse three, and I will give power unto my two witnesses and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and threescore days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before God of the earth. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceeds out of their mouth and devours their enemies. And if any man sh will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven, that it rain not in the days of the prophecy, and have power over waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with plagues as often as they will. Now, who are these two witnesses? Well, they're men, just as the 24 elders were men. Uh, they're not Moses and Elijah, but they have the same power of Moses and Elijah that they were anointed with. Amen. And so the de description of two, two witnesses, they're described as the two olive trees, the two olive trees and the two candlesticks standing before the God of the earth. Well, this brings us back to the writings of uh, the prophecies of, Zer of Zechariah. Now, in the vision of Zechariah, it speaks of Zerubbabel being the instrument which God uses to rebuild the temple that had been destroyed. And both Zerubbabel and Joshua, the high priest, were instrumental and associated with the rebuilding of the temple. So these two olive trees and uh, these uh, which represents the two witnesses, uh, they're associated with the temple, which evidently must be built during the, this time, either before the great tribulation begins or during the first half of it. And notice that the two olive trees represents 
the supply, the endless supply of the spirit and the two candlesticks represent uh, the light that comes uh, from the, the anointing and their time of witnessing. And they're going to prophesy the last three and a half years up to return of the Lord. And so John also describes their power. And if any man will hurt them, fire proceeds out of their mouth and devours their enemies. And if any man will hurt them, he must in this manner be killed. These have power to shut heaven that it rain not in the days of their prophecy and have power over waters to turn them to blood and to smite the earth with all plagues, even as they will. So uh, definitely we see the power of Elijah, the prophet and Moses, the lawgiver that's upon these two witnesses. And they're going to prophesy the days of their prophecy that speaks to us of the last three and a half years of the great tribulation period. All right. Now, verse seven. And when they had finished their testimony, the beast that ascended out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. And their bodies shall lie in the street of the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. And they of the people and kindreds and tongues and nations shall see their dead bodies three days and a half and shall not suffer their bodies to be put in graves. And they dwell upon the earth shall rejoice over them and make merry and shall send gifts one to another because these two prophets tormented them that dwell on the earth. So John sees at the end of this great tribulation of the dragon of uh, the beast, you know, the spirit who possesses the Antichrist coming up out of the bottomless pit to make war against these two witnesses and the beast defeats them and kills them. So and these two witnesses, they lie in the city, uh, the street of Jerusalem. And the apostle describes this beloved city as the great city, which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. So this confirms uh, that uh, what John saw, he saw the Gentiles uh, trampling underfoot Jerusalem for uh, three and a half years. And he sees the city becoming corrupt and a place of great uh, wickedness. Uh, Revelation chapter 11, verse 11. And after three days and a half, the spirit of life from God enters into them and they stood upon their feet and great fear upon them, which saw them. And they heard a great voice from heaven saying unto them, come up hither. And they ascended up to heaven in a cloud and their enemies beheld them. And in that same hour, there's a great earthquake and a tenth part of the city fell and the earthquake earthquake were slain of men 7,000 and the remnant were affrighted and gave glory to the God of heaven. Notice that. And notice verse 14 and the second woe is passed and the third comes quickly. Now, the the witnesses dead coming alive and the great fear falling upon them. Notice that in the very hour that uh, that all of this takes place, they give glory to God. But it does not change their heart. It doesn't change their heart. They don't repent. So even with all of this destruction that's coming upon them, amen, they still refuse uh, to repent. And then finally, reading out the rest of uh, this chapter. And the seventh angel sounded and there were great voices in heaven saying the kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders were sat before God on their seats, fell upon their faces and worshiped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art 
and was and art to come because thou hast taken to thee thy great power and hast reigned. And verse 19, and the temple of God was opened in heaven and there was seen in his temple the ark of his testament and there were lightnings and voices and thunderings and an earthquake and great hell. So uh, no one ever knew what happened to the ark, but John sees the ark in heaven in the temple of God. So uh, John's vision of the two witnesses covers the last three and a half years of the great tribulation period. And even though the Lord is judging uh, the, the, the earth in order to get them to repent, uh, the greater multitude of this world, th they only become more hardened towards Christ. And actually what they're doing is they're being fitted for vessels of destruction. But notice also that in the midst of all this terrible stuff, there are still multitudes getting born again. Amen. Hallelujah. So that's the great hope of the gospel, that throughout the great tribulation, the gospel will continue to be preached and people will continue uh, to be saved. So, Father, we thank you for this study today. Strike it, make it go it deep into our hearts, Father God, that we'll know uh, that you, you are alive and well and you reign over all. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.